Chapter 15, Part 3 of A Short Account of the History of Mathematics. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. This reading is by Paul King, pjk.scripts.mit.edu forward slash pkj. A short account of the history of mathematics by W. W. Rouse Ball. History of mathematics from Descartes to Huygens, circa 1635 to 1675, Part Three. Huygens. Christian Huygens was born at the Hague on April 14, 1629, and died in the same town on June 8, 1695. He generally wrote his name as Huggins, H-U-G-E-N-S, but I follow the usual custom in spelling it as H-U-Y-G-E-N-S. It is also sometimes written as H-U-Y-G-H-E-N-S. His life was uneventful and is a mere record of the dates of his various works. In 1651, he published an essay in which he shewed the fallacy in a system of quadratures proposed by Grégoire de Saint-Vincent, who was well versed in the geometry of the Greeks, but had not grasped the essential points in the more modern methods. This essay was followed by tracts on the quadrature of the conics and the approximate rectification of the circle. In 1654, his attention was directed to the improvement of the telescope. In conjunction with his brother, he devised a new and better way of grinding and polishing lenses. As a result of these improvements, he was able, during the following two years, 1655 and 1656, to resolve numerous astronomical questions, as, for example, the nature of Saturn's appendage. His astronomical observations required some exact means of measuring time, and he was thus led in 1656 to invent the pendulum clock as described in his tract on Hologium, 1658. The timepieces previously in use had been balance clocks. In the year 1657, Huygens wrote a small work on the calculus of probabilities founded on the correspondence of Pascal and Fermat. He spent a couple of years in England about this time. His reputation was now so great that in 1665 Louis the Fourteenth offered him a pension if he would live in Paris, which accordingly then became his place of residence. In 1668 he sent to the Royal Society of London, in answer to a problem they had proposed, a memoir in which simultaneously with Wallace and Wren he proved by experiment that the momentum in a certain direction before the collision of two bodies is equal to the momentum in that direction after the collision. This was one of the points in mechanics on which Descartes had been mistaken. The most important of Huygens's work was in his Horologium Oscillatorium published in Paris in 1673. The first chapter is devoted to the pendulum clocks. The second chapter contains a complete account of the descent of heavy bodies under their own weights in a vacuum, either vertically down or on smooth curves. 
The second chapter contains a complete account of the descent of heavy bodies under their own weights in a vacuum, either vertically down or on smooth curves. Amongst other propositions, he shews that the cycloid is tautochronous. In the third chapter, he defines evolutes and involutes, proves some of their more elementary properties, and illustrates his methods by finding the evolutes of the cycloid and the parabola. These are the earliest instances in which the envelope of a moving line is determined. In the fourth chapter, he solves the problem of the compound pendulum and shows that the centers of oscillation and suspension are interchangeable. In the fifth and last chapter, he discusses again the theory of clocks, points out that if the bob of the pendulum were made by means of cycloidal checks to oscillate in a cycloid, the oscillations would be isochronous, and finishes by shewing that the centrifugal force on a body which moves in a circle of radius r with uniform velocity v varies directly as v squared and inversely as r. This work contains the first attempt to apply dynamics to bodies of finite size and not merely to particles. In 1675, Huygens proposed to regulate the motion of watches by use of the balanced spring, in the theory of which he had been perhaps anticipated in a somewhat ambiguous and incomplete statement made by Hooke in 1658. Watches or portable clocks had been invented early in the 16th century, and by the end of that century were not very uncommon, but they were clumsy and unreliable, being driven by a main spring and regulated by a conical pulley and verge escapement. Moreover, until 1687, they had only one hand. The first watch, whose motion was regulated by a balanced spring, was made at Paris under Huygens' directions, and presented by him to Louis the Fourteenth. The increasing intolerance of the Catholics led to his return to Holland in 1681, and after the revocation of the Edict of Nantes, he refused to hold any further communication with France. He now devoted himself to the construction of lenses of enormous focal length. Of these, three of focal length 123 feet, 180 feet, and 210 feet were subsequently given by him to the Royal Society in London, in whose possession they still remain. It was about this time that he discovered the achromatic eyepiece for a telescope, which is known by his name. In 1689 he came from Holland to England in order to make the acquaintance of Newton whose Principia had been published in 1687, the extraordinary merits of which Huygens had at once recognized. On his return in 1690 Huygens published his treatise on light in which the undulatory theory was expounded and explained. Most of this had been written as early as 1678. The general idea of the theory had been suggested by Robert Hooke in 1664, but he had not investigated its consequences in any detail. This publication falls outside the years considered in this chapter, but here it may be briefly said that according to the wave or undulatory theory, space is filled with an extremely rare ether, 
and light is caused by a series of waves or vibrations in this ether which are set in motion by the pulsations of the luminous body from this hypothesis huygens deduced that the laws of reflection and refraction explain the phenomenon of double refraction and gave a construction for the extraordinary ray in biaxial crystals while he found by experiment the chief phenomenon of polarization the immense reputation and unrivalled powers of newton led to the disbelief in the theory which he rejected and to the general adoption of newton's emission theory but it should be noted that huygens explanation of some phenomena such as the colours of thin plates was inconsistent with the results of experiments nor was it until young and wollaston at the beginning of this century revived the undulatory theory and modified some of its details and fresnel elaborated their views that its acceptance could be fully justified besides these works huygens took part in most of the controversies and challenges which then played so large a part in the mathematical world and wrote several minor tracts in one of these he investigated the form and properties of the catenary in another he stated in general terms the rule for finding maxima and minima of which fermat had made use and shewed that the subtangent of an algebraical curve f x y equals zero was equal to y f y by f x where f y is the derivative of f x y regarded as a function of y in some posthumous works issued at leyden in seventeen o three he further shewed how from the focal lengths of the component lenses the magnifying power of a telescope could be determined and explained some of the phenomena connected with halos and parhelia i should add that almost all of his demonstrations like those of newton are rigidly geometrical and he would seem to have made no use of the differential or fluxional calculus though he admitted the validity of the methods used therein thus even when first written his works were expressed in an archaic language and perhaps received less attention than their intrinsic merits deserved i have now traced the development of mathematics for a period which we may take roughly as dating from sixteen thirty five to sixteen seventy five under the influence of descartes cavalieri pascal wallace fermat and huygens the life of newton partly overlaps this period his works and influence are considered in the next chapter i may dismiss the remaining mathematicians of this time whom i dare to mention with comparatively slight notice the following is an alphabetical list of the more remarkable among them the dates given to those are the birth and death of the mathematician to whose name they are appended bachet fifteen eighty one to sixteen thirty eight barrow sixteen thirty to sixteen seventy seven brochner sixteen twenty to sixteen eighty four collins sixteen twenty five to sixteen eighty three coursier sixteen o four to sixteen ninety two debon sixteen o one to sixteen fifty two de la lubert sixteen hundred to sixteen sixty four frenicle sixteen o five to sixteen seventy gregory sixteen thirty eight to sixteen seventy five hook sixteen thirty five to seventeen o three 
Hood, 1633-1704. Kinkhuysen, 1630-1679. Mercator, 1620-1687. Mersenne, 1588-1648. Midorge, 1585-1647. Pell, 1610-1685. Ritchie, 1619 to 1692 Roberval 1602 to 1675 Romer 1631 to 1708 van schuten died in 1661 and wren 1632-1723 in the following notes i have arranged the above-mentioned mathematicians so that as far as possible their chief contributions shall come in chronological order Bachet. Claude Gaspard Bachet de Mézirac was born in Bourg in 1581 and died in 1638. He wrote the Problème Plaisante, 1612, second and enlarged edition, 1624, which contains an interesting collection of arithmetical tricks and questions, many of which are quoted in Chapter 1 of my Mathematical Recreations and Problems, also Les Alimentes Arithmétiques, which exists in manuscript and a translation of arithmetic by Diophantus. Bachet was the earliest writer who discussed the solution of indeterminate equations by means of continued fractions. Midorge. Claude Midorge, born in Paris in 1585 and died in 1647, belonged to a distinguished family of the robe, and was himself a councillor at Châtelet, then treasurer to the local parliament at Amiens, he published some works on optics of which one issued in 1631 is extant and in 1641 a treatise on conic sections he also left a manuscript containing solutions of over a thousand geometrical problems many of which are said to be ingenious the enunciations were published by m charles henry in 1882 Mersenne. Marin Mersenne, born in fifteen eighty eight and died in Paris in sixteen forty eight, was a Franciscan friar who made it his business to be acquainted and correspond with the French mathematicians of that date and many of their foreign contemporaries. In sixteen thirty four he published a translation of Galileo's Mechanics. In sixteen forty four he issued his Cogitata Physico Mathematica, by which he is best known, containing an account of some experiments in physics. He also wrote a synopsis of mathematics, which was printed in 1664. The preface to the Cogitata contains a statement, probably due to Fermat, that in order that 2p minus 1 may be prime, the only values of p not greater than 257, which are possible, are 1, 2, three five seven thirteen seventeen nineteen thirty one sixty seven one hundred twenty seven and two hundred fifty seven to which list herr seelhoff has shewn we must add the number sixty one 
with this addition the statement has been verified for all except twenty-three values of p namely sixty-one seventy-one eighty-nine a hundred and one a hundred and three a hundred and seven a hundred and nine one hundred twenty seven one hundred thirty seven one hundred thirty nine one hundred forty nine one hundred fifty seven one hundred sixty three one hundred sixty seven one hundred seventy three one hundred eighty one one ninety three one ninety seven one ninety nine two twenty seven two twenty nine two forty one and two fifty seven of these values Mersenne asserted that p equals sixty seven p equals 127 and p equals 257 make 2 to the exponent p minus 1 a prime and that the other values make 2p minus 1 a composite number it is most likely that these results are particular cases of some general theorem on the subject which remains to be discovered the number 2 to the power 61 minus 1 contains 19 digits and is the highest number at present known to be prime. Its value in digits is 2305843009213693951. The theory of perfect numbers depends directly on that of Mersenne's numbers. It is probable that all perfect numbers are included in the formula 2 to the power of p minus 1, as opposed to negative 1 plus 2 to the p where negative 1 plus 2 to the p is prime. Euclid proved that any number of this form is perfect. Euler shewed that the formula includes all even perfect numbers, and there is reason to believe, though a rigid demonstration is wanting, that an odd number cannot be perfect. If we assume that the last of these statements is true, then every perfect number is of the above form. Thus, if p equals two, three, five, seven, thirteen, seventeen, nineteen, thirty-one, sixty-one, then by Mersenne's rule, the corresponding values of negative one plus two to the p are prime. They are three, seven, thirty-one, a hundred twenty-seven. 8,191, 131,071, 524,287, 2,147,487,647, and and the corresponding perfect numbers are six twenty eight four hundred ninety six eight thousand one hundred and twenty eight thirty three million five hundred and fifty thousand three hundred and thirty six eight billion five hundred and eighty nine million eight hundred sixty nine thousand and fifty six a hundred and thirty seven billion four hundred and thirty eight million six hundred and ninety one thousand and three hundred twenty eight Next is two quintillion three hundred and five quadrillion eight hundred and forty three trillion eight billion one hundred and thirty nine million nine hundred and fifty two thousand and one hundred twenty eight and finally 
two undecillion six hundred and fifty eight decillion four hundred and fifty five nonillion nine hundred and ninety one octillion five hundred and sixty nine septillion eight hundred and thirty one hexillion seven hundred and forty four quintillion six hundred and fifty four quadrillion six hundred and ninety two trillion six hundred and fifteen billion nine hundred and fifty three million eight hundred and forty two thousand one hundred and seventy six de baume florimond de baume was born in blois in sixteen o one and died in sixteen fifty two wrote explanatory notes on the obscure and difficult analytical geometry of descartes he also discussed the superior and inferior limits to the roots of an equation this was not published till sixteen fifty nine roberval Gilles Personnier de Roberval, born at Roberval in 1602 and died at Paris in 1675, described himself from the place of his birth as de Roberval, a seigneurial title to which he had no right. He discussed the nature of the tangents to the curves, solved some of the easier questions connected with the cycloid, generalized Archimedes's theorems on the spiral, and wrote on mechanics and the method of indivisibles, which he rendered more precise and logical. He was a professor in the University of Paris, and in correspondence with nearly all of the leading mathematicians of his time. A complete edition of his works was included in the old Memoirs of the Academy of Sciences, published in 1693. Van Schooten Franz van Schooten, to whom we owe an edition of Vieta's works, succeeded his father, who had taught mathematics to Huygens, Hood, and Sluys, as a professor at Leyden in 1646. He brought out in 1659 a Latin translation of Descartes' Geometrie, and in 1657 a collection of mathematical exercises in which he recommended the use of coordinates in space of three dimensions. He died in 1661. St. Vincent Gregoire de St. Vincent, a Jesuit, born at Bruges in 1584 and died at Ghent in 1667, discovered the expansion of the logarithm of 1 plus x in ascending powers of x. Although a circle-squarer, he is worthy of mention for the numerous theorems of interest which he discovered in his search after the impossible, and Montucla ingeniously remarks that no one ever squared the circle with so much ability except for his principal object with so much success. He wrote two books on the subject, one published in 1647 and the other in 1668, which cover some two or three thousand closely printed pages. The fallacy in the quadrature was pointed out by Huygens. In the former work he had used Indivisibles, an earlier work entitled Theoremata Mathematica, published in 1624, contains a clear account of the method of exhaustions, which is applied to several quadratures, notably that of the hyperbola. For further details of St. Vincent's life and works, see L.A.J. Quartelet, Histoire des sciences chez les Bleges, Brussels, 1866. Torricelli Evangelista Torricelli, born at Fenza in October 15, 1608, 
died at Florence in 1647, wrote on the quadrature of the cycloid and conics, the theory of the barometer, the value of gravity found by observing the motion of two weights connected by a string passing over a fixed pulley, the theory of projectiles, and the motion of fluids. His mathematical writings were published in 1644. Hood. Johann Hood, a burgomaster of Amsterdam, was born there in 1633 and died in the same town in 1704. He wrote two tracts in 1659. One was on the reduction of equations which have equal roots. In the other he stated what is equivalent to the proposition that if f of xy equals zero be the algebraical equation of a curve, then its subtangent is negative y of the partial derivative of x with respect to y divided by the partial derivative of x with respect to x. But being ignorant of the notation of the calculus, his enunciation is involved. Franick. Bernard Franicle de Bessy, born in Paris circa 1605 and died in 1670, wrote numerous papers on combinations and on the theory of numbers, and also on magic squares. It may be interesting to add that he challenged Huygens to solve the following system of equations in integers x squared plus y squared equals z squared, x squared equals u squared plus v squared and x minus y equals u minus v. A solution was given by M. Pepin in 1880. Frenicle's miscellaneous works, edited by de la Hare, was published in the Memoire de l'Académie, volume 5, 1691. De l'Alaubert, Antoine de l'Alaubert, a Jesuit born in Languedoc in 1600, died at Toulouse in 1664, is chiefly celebrated for an incorrect solution of Pascal's problems on the cycloid, which he gave in 1660, but he has a better claim to distinction in having been the first mathematician to study the properties of the helix. Kinkhuysen Gerard Kinkhuysen, born in Holland in 1630 and died in 1679, wrote in 1660 a textbook on analytical conics, in 1661 an algebra, and in 1669 formed a collection of geometrical problems solved by analytical geometry. Corsier Pierre Corsier, a Jesuit born at Troyes in 1604 and died in Auxerre in 1692, wrote on the curves of intersection of a sphere with a cylinder or cone, also on spherical polygons. The latter work was published in 1663. Ritchie, Michel-Ange Ritchie, born in 1619, made a cardinal in 1681 and died in Rome in 1692 wrote in 1666 a treatise in which he solved by Greek geometry those problems on maxima and minima and on tangents to curves which had been considered by Descartes, Pascal, and Fermat. N. Maketer Nicholas Maketer, sometimes known as Kaufman, born in Holstein about 1620, but resided most of his life in England. He went to France in 1683, where he designed and constructed the fountains at Versailles, but when they were finished, Louis the Fourteenth refused to make him the payment agreed on unless he would turn Catholic. 
he died of vexation and poverty in paris in sixteen eighty seven he wrote a treatise on logarithms entitled logarithmotechnia published in sixteen sixty eight and discovered the series log of one plus x equals x minus x squared over two plus x squared over three minus x to the power four over four and so on he proved this by writing the equation of a hyperbola in the form of y equals one over one plus x which would be equal to one minus x plus x squared minus x cubed plus and so on to which wallace's formula stated before could be applied the same series had been independently discovered by st vincent barrow isaac barrow was born in london in sixteen thirty and died at cambridge in sixteen seventy seven he went to school first at charterhouse where he was so troublesome that his father was heard to pray that if it pleased god to take any of his children he could best spare isaac and subsequently to felsted he completed his education at trinity college cambridge after taking his degree in sixteen forty eight he was elected to a fellowship in sixteen forty nine he then resided for a few years in college but in sixteen fifty five he was driven out by the persecution of the independents he spent the next four years in the east of europe and after many adventures returned to england in sixteen fifty nine he was ordained the next year and appointed to the professorship of greek at cambridge in sixteen sixty two he was made professor of geometry at gresham college and in sixteen sixty three was selected as the first occupier of the lucasian chair at cambridge he resigned the latter to his pupil newton in sixteen sixty nine whose superior abilities he recognized and frankly acknowledged for the remainder of his life he devoted himself to the study of divinity he was appointed the master of trinity college in sixteen seventy two and he held the post until his death he is described as low in stature lean and of a pale complexion slovenly in dress and an inveterate smoker he was no noted for his strength and courage and once when travelling in the east he saved the ship by his own prowess from capture by pirates a ready and caustic wit made him a favorite of charles the second and induced the courtiers to respect even if they did not appreciate him he wrote with a sustained and somewhat stately eloquence and with his blameless life and scrupulous conscientiousness he was an impressive personage of the time his earliest work was a complete edition of the elements of euclid which he issued in sixteen fifty five he published an english translation in sixteen sixty and in sixteen fifty seven an edition of the data his lectures delivered in sixteen sixty four sixteen sixty five and sixteen sixty six were published in sixteen eighty three under the title of lectiones mathematicae these are mostly on the metaphysical basis for mathematical truths his lectures for sixteen sixty seven were published in the same year and suggest the analysis by which archimedes was led to his chief results
1669 he issued his Lectiones Opticae Geometricae. It is said in the preface that Newton revised and corrected these lectures, adding matter of his own, but it seems probable from Newton's remarks in the Fluxional Controversy that the editions were confined to the parts which dealt with optics. This, which is his most important work in mathematics, was republished with a few minor alterations in 1674. In 1675 he published an edition with numerous comments on the first four books of the Conics of Apollonius and of the extant works of Archimedes and Theodosius. In the optical lectures, many problems connected with the reflection and refraction of light are treated with great ingenuity. The geometrical focus of a point seen by a reflection or refraction is defined, and it is explained that the image of an object is the locus of the geometrical foci of every point on it. Barrow also worked out a few of the easier properties of thin lenses, and considerably simplified the Cartesian explanation of the rainbow. The geometrical lectures contain some new ways of determining the areas of the tangents of curves. The most celebrated of these is the method given for the determination of tangents to curves, and this is sufficiently important to require a detailed notice because it illustrates the way in which Barrow, Hood, and Slews were working on the lines suggested by Fermat towards the methods of the differential calculus. Fermat had observed that the tangent at point P on a curve was determined if one other point besides P on it were known, hence if the length of the subtangent MT could be found, thus determining the point T, then the line TP would be the required tangent. Now Barrow remarked that if the abscissa and ordinate at a point Q adjacent to P were drawn, he got a small triangle PQR, which he called the differential triangle because its sides PR and PQ were the differences of the abscissa and ordinates of P and Q, so that TM to MP equals QR to RP. To find QR to RP, he supposed that XY were the coordinates of P, and X minus E, Y minus A, those of Q. Barrow actually used P for X and M for Y, but I alter these to agree with the modern practice. Substituting the coordinates of Q in the equation of the curve and neglecting the squares and higher powers of E and A as compared with their first powers, he obtained the ratio E to A. The ratio A over E was subsequently, in accordance with a suggestion made by Slews, termed the angular coefficient of the tangent at the point. Barrow applied this method to the curves 1, x squared multiplied by the quantity x squared plus y squared equals r squared y squared, 2, x cubed plus y cubed equals r cubed, and 3, x cubed plus y cubed equals rxy, called Lagalande. 4, y equals the quantity r minus x, multiplied by the tangent of pi x divided by 2r, the quadratrix. And 5, y equals r times tan pi x over 2r. It will be sufficient here if I take as an illustration the simpler case of the parabola y squared equals px. Using the notation given above, we have for the point p 
y squared equals px and for the point q y minus a quantity squared equals p multiplied by the quantity x minus e subtracting we get 2ay minus a squared equals pe but if a be an infinitesimal quantity a squared must be infinitely smaller and therefore may be neglected hence the ratio e to a equals the ratio to y to p therefore tm to y equals e to a equals 2y to p that is tm equals 2y squared divided by p which is equal to 2x this is exactly the procedure of the differential calculus except that we there have a rule by which we can get the ratio a over e or dy by dx directly without the labor of going through a calculation similar to the above for every separate case bruckner william viscount bruckner one of the founders of the Royal Society of London, born in 1620 and died on April 15, 1684, was among the most brilliant mathematicians of his time, and was in intimate relations with Wallace, Fermat, and other leading mathematicians. I mentioned on page 155 his curious reproduction of Brahmagupta's solution of a certain indeterminate equation. Bruckner proved that the area enclosed between the equilateral hyperbola xy equal 1 and the axis of x and the ordinates x equals 1 and x equals 2 is equal either to 1 over 1 times 2 plus 1 over 3 times 4 plus 1 over 5 times 6 plus and so on or to 1 minus 1 half plus 1 third minus a quarter and so on he also worked out similar expressions for different areas bounded by the hyperbola and straight lines he wrote on the rectification of the parabola and of the cycloid it is noticeable that he used infinite series to express quantities whose values he could not otherwise determine in answer to a request of wallace to attempt the quadrature of the circle he shewed that the ratio of the area of the circle to the area of the circumscribed square that is the ratio of pi to four is equal to the ratio one over one plus one squared over two plus three squared over two plus five squared over two plus seven squared over two and so on to one continued fractions had been introduced by cataldi in his treatise on finding the square roots of numbers published at bologna in sixteen thirteen but he treated them as common fractions bruckner was the first writer who investigated or made any use of their properties for further details see c hutton's mathematical dictionary james gregory james gregory born at Drumoak, near aberdeen in sixteen thirty eight and died in edinburgh in october sixteen seventy five was successively professor at st andrews and edinburgh in sixteen sixty he publishes optica promota in which the reflecting telescope known by his name is described in sixteen sixty seven he issued his vera circuli et hyperboli quadratura in which he showed the areas of the circle and hyperbola could be obtained in the form of infinite convergent series and here i believe for the first time 
we find a distinction drawn between convergent and divergent series. This work contains a remarkable geometrical proposition to the effect that the ratio of the area of any arbitrary sector to that of the inscribed or circumscribed regular polygons is not expressible by a finite number of algebraical terms. Hence he inferred that the quadrature was impossible. This was accepted by Montucla, but it is not conclusive, for it is conceivable that some particular sector might be squared, and this particular sector might be the whole circle. This book contains also the earliest enunciations of the expansions in the series of sine x, cosine of x, inverse sine of x, and inverse cosine of x. It was reprinted in 1668 with an appendix Geometria pars, in which Gregory explained how the volumes of solids of revolution could be determined. In 1671, or perhaps earlier, he established the theorem that theta equals tan theta minus one third tan cubed theta minus one fifth tan to the fifth theta, and so on. The result being true only if theta lie between negative one quarter pi and positive one quarter pi. This is the theorem on which the work of most of the subsequent calculation of approximations to the numerical value of pi has been based. For further detail, see C. Hutton's Mathematical Dictionary. Wren. Sir Christopher Wren was born in Noyle in 1632 and died in London in 1723. Wren's reputation as a mathematician has been overshadowed by his fame as an architect, but he was civilian professor of astronomy at Oxford from 1661 to 1673 and for some time president of the Royal Society. Together with Wallace and Huygens, he investigated the laws of collision of bodies. He also discovered the two systems of generating lines on the hyperboloid of one sheet, though it is probable that he confined his attention to the hyperboloid of revolution. Besides these, he communicated papers on the resistance of fluids and the motion of the pendulum. He was a friend of Newton, and like Huygens, Hooke, Halley, and others, had made attempts to shew that the force under which the planets move varies inversely as the square of the distance from the sun. Wallace, Bruckner, Wren, and Boyle, the last name being a chemist and physicist rather than a mathematician, were the leading philosophers who had founded the Royal Society of London. The society arose from the self-styled Indivisible College in London in 1645. Most of its members moved to Oxford during the Civil War, where Hooke, who was then an assistant in Boyle's laboratory, joined in their meetings. The society was formally constituted in London in 1660 and was incorporated on 15th of July, 1662. Hooke Robert Hooke, born at Freshwater on July 18, 1635, and died in London on March 3, 1703, was educated at Westminster and Christchurch, Oxford, and in 1665 he became professor of geometry at Gresham College, a post which he occupied till his death.
he is still known by the law which he discovered that the tension exerted by a stretched string is within certain limits proportional to the extension or as it is better stated that the stress is proportional to the strain he invented and discussed the conical pendulum and was the first to state explicitly that the motions of the heavenly bodies were merely dynamical problems he was as jealous as he was vain and irritable and accused both newton and huygens of unfairly appropriating his results like huygens wren and halley he made efforts to find the law of force under which the planets move about the sun and he believed the law to be that of the inverse square of the distance he like huygens discovered that the small oscillations of a coiled spiral spring were practically isochronous and was thus led to recommend possibly in sixteen fifty eight the use of the balance spring in watches he had a watch of this kind made in london in sixteen seventy five it was finished just three months later than the one made under the directions of huygens in paris collins john collins born near oxford on march fifth sixteen twenty five and died in london on november tenth sixteen eighty three was a man of great natural ability but of slight education being devoted to mathematics he spent his spare time in correspondence with the leading mathematicians of the time for whom he was always ready to do anything in his power and he has been described not inaptly as the english mersan to him we are indebted for much information on the details of the discoveries of the period pell another mathematician who devoted considerable part of his time to making known the discoveries of others and to correspondence with leading mathematicians was john pell pell was born at sussex on march first sixteen ten and died in london on december tenth sixteen eighty five he was educated at trinity college cambridge he occupied in succession the mathematical chairs at amsterdam and breda he then entered the english diplomatic service but finally settled in sixteen sixty one in london where he spent the last twenty years of his life his chief works were in addition with considerable new matter of the algebra by brenker and ronius london sixteen sixty eight and a table of square numbers london sixteen seventy two for further detail see my history of mathematics at cambridge Sluz. René François Walter de Sluz, or Sluzius, canon of Liege, born on July seventh, sixteen twenty-two, and died on March nineteenth, sixteen eighty-five, found for the subtangent of a curve f x y equals zero an expression was which is the equivalent to negative y multiplied by the partial derivative delta f by delta y divided by the partial derivative delta f by dx he wrote numerous tracts and in particular discussed at some length spirals and points of inflection chernhausen ehrenfried walter von chernhausen was born at kislingswald on april tenth sixteen thirty one and died at dresden on october eleventh seventeen o eight 
In 1682 he worked out the theory of caustics by reflection, or as they were usually called catacaustics, and shewed that they were rectifiable. This was the second case in which the envelope of a moving line was determined. He constructed the burning mirrors of great power. The transformation by which he removes certain intermediate terms from a given algebraical equation is well known. Romer Olaf Romer was born at Aranus in September 25, 1644, and died in Copenhagen on September 19, 1710, and was the first to measure the velocity of light. This was done in 1675 by means of the eclipses of Jupiter's satellites. He brought the transit and mural circle into common use, the altazimuth having been previously generally employed, and it was on his recommendation that astronomical observations of stars were subsequently made in general on the meridian. He was also the first to introduce micrometers and reading microscopes into an observatory. He also deduced from the properties of epicycloids the form of the teeth and the toothed wheels best fitted to secure a uniform motion. End of part 23